Our scripture for today as we continue um, our series. Um, it is uh, <clears throat> John chapter 2. Now I'm struggling to have a sermon. Haley got all of that when she tell this story. So, uh, but we're going to read it. We're going to read it, and I hope that uh, you will stay open uh, to what God is about to say and continue to work through and in all of us. <clears throat> this is a very familiar story, as Haley was, was making reference of um, <clears throat> Jesus and his mom and um, folks were gathering at a wedding. Um, anybody here have never been in a wedding before? Have not seen one? Anybody here who's tired of too many weddings? Somebody say amen. <laughs> Would you stand? Let us read our scripture together. Um, it's amazing. Just to think. All the dads who have daughters, can you host a wedding for seven days in a row? Hmm. I'm glad that that was in the past, right? Somebody say amen. Let us read together. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana Galilee, and mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciple has also been invited to the wedding. When the wine came out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servant, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jar for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jar with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servant who had drawn the water knew, the steward called to the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serve the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have been drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Drunk people. <laughs> Good morning, God. We thank you so much for the opportunity for us to be invited to this feast. There's nothing like a good party. Nothing better when there's plentiful The story goes, it was so good. They knew it, and we want to know. There is the invitation. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We know, we heard it. Maybe some of us seen it. Oh, but how awesome it is that we have been given the privilege and the opportunity to taste 
how good you are. We all have our own preferences of what tastes best to us. Maybe in our food, maybe in our shoes, maybe uh, in our hair color, or maybe in our best team. But oh, how good it is that we know what best. God, I know I'm not worth you to do this work. Use me if and when it's necessary. Remove anything that might stand on our way of hearing you and you alone. May all of what happened here be a reflection of what happened up there. It is true, God. If you are with us, nothing matter. And if you are not with us, nothing matters. Please help. It is in your mighty name, Jesus Christ. We pray, and all of God's people say amen. The Gospel of John, uh, just in case, I'll just give you a big picture for the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, if you did not know, uh, if, if this is a new information uh, for you, I hope it is not. I believe it is not. The whole book is organized around seven signs. Uh, the whole book of John. If you can identify all those seven signs, what are those signs? Uh, the things that we call miracles. And the whole book is organized about seven of them. And those are the big handles where John tells the story. Uh, John, at some point in time, he was, a, um, he was an eyewitness, a first-hand uh, account of somebody who was there. He heard, he heard it, he seen it. Uh, and, and so uh, John was old in age. He was really, really old. I mean, John was old. Did I say he's old? At some point in time, somebody said to John, John, please, you need to write something down. And we are not told whether John write this himself or he dictated this to someone else to write. But John started to talk and these things were written down. And I want for you to hear the purpose of why John wrote this down. Uh, <clears throat> chapter 20 of John. Chapter 20 of John, toward the end of the chapter, he said this. Um, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. This is in verse 30 to the end. This is the whole purpose of this book. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these, the signs, were written down so you may believe, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. The whole purpose of me telling you these things, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is the whole purpose of the whole book. Believe, the whole idea of believe, the whole idea of this is an island. I'm just giving you my simple understanding of this. To believe is to, to, to have an evidence. And what is the evidence? Is for me, uh, in order to believe something or somebody, uh, you have to use your five senses. Help me out. What are the five senses? You see, you hear, you smell, 
your taste, and your touch. Those five things, if you have one or more of those things, it seems to give you an opportunity to make a decision whether to take what the information is or somebody word for it or not. And the other one of the other side of, of believe is, is the source where you get the information from. Do you trust your parents? I, I, I promise you, when your teachers say two plus two equals four, you did not all of a sudden look down into your toes and start counting. You simply believe the teacher because somehow you trust your teacher. When your mom or dad say, you know this thing over here, when it turns red, don't put your finger on it because it hurts. Though you believe them and you trust them, but you want because you are a smart little cookie. You think that those things is just look nice, nice. And you find out you should believe them. The idea of believing. Now, uh, we interchange the idea of belief and faith in our Christian uh, journey when we talk. Not too long ago, I gave you a, uh, somebody's definition of faith that I think is worth looking at it. Because faith is, you know, having the confidence in the things unseen, you know. It's been, it's been defined to us that way. But somebody else put it this way. Faith is weighting the risk. You just weigh it. And then decide for yourself what, how you're going to handle this you were waiting. If you could get screwed. This is raw. This is, this is, I don't know. But that's, that's what faith is. You just wait it and you look at your capacity. Can I really take the risk here if things don't go well? Believe. So John put this this way. These things are written down for you so you believe. So you believe. So John evidently seen something, hears something, heard something, tastes something, and then he smells something. And it was not fishy. He smelled something good. And then he say, I wrote this down for your purpose. And now um, somebody, uh, uh, Professor Duke, uh, put this this way. He, he, uh, he was a professor of literature. He wrote, um, he read about three of the gospel. And his reflection on John, he simply put it this way. Why would you, if your introduction to the world, the most powerful person in the world, why would you put this as your introduction of who you are to the world? You save embarrassment for two young kids who just get married. And that's your introduction. The most powerful person in the world, your introduction of your power, your might, and your capacity, your ability is, hey, I just saved two kids, two dumb kids who did not plan well, their wedding. I mean, you could say, I walk on water. That's a little better. I say to somebody not too long ago who fell off a bus, I say, please don't, don't tell people that. Come up with a better story. I mean, with your eyes open, he walked down, and then something happened. I say, come up with a better story. And here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Introduce himself to the world. And there's something I, I, don't, I cannot say her name because I didn't ask for her approval. 
Hello, Sarah. But, um, <laughs> but, but here is, and this professor simply say, this must have happened that John wrote this down as a true event that happened. As I say, the wedding in this generation, first church, it was a big deal. Everybody familiar with wedding, they know it's, it's one of the most incredible uh, events that happened in this culture during this time. Seven days in a row, you party, you just, I mean, it's, it's better than Mardi Gras, or maybe it's something like Mardi Gras, every single day for a week. I only have one girl, I mean, for what happened to you people who have two, three? What are you going to do? You're going to just throw one party for all of them. He was like, you remember when you got married? Your older sister got married. We had this party for all of you. And then happened to be Mary, Mother of Jesus, was part of the host team. You read it later. You can find out that Mary was part of the team, just in case you didn't know why Mary was. This is a concern to her. She was a part of the host hospitality team. And, and, then, and then Mary came, Jesus, can you imagine, can you imagine the foolishness of this? Hey Jesus, we run out of grocery, can do something about it. I'm not going to the grocery store. Uh, dirt turned into bread. I mean, but here is Mary. The Greek word about um, <laughs> I said this before. Jesus responds. I mean, the scripture is trying its best to describe the Greek word about Jesus' response. Woman. I was like, evidently Jesus didn't, didn't grow up in the South. <laughs> he would have got a Southern woman with a with supersized purse. <laughs> I told you better than that. But what it is, the Greek word is like, oh dear. Dear woman, it was not mom, it was not. It's Jesus respond in this event. It's incredible. My time is yet here. Jesus, do something. In this culture, this is, I don't think you really know, understand about this culture. This is a safe face culture. Are you familiar with that word? Save face. It's a shame kind of culture. And it's a big part of my culture is that. And that means everything about you is not about you. Everyone tied to you, however you behave, however you make choice, if it's embarrassing for you, it's embarrassing for the whole village. And so what happened is everybody cover for everyone else. Because the other side of the culture is, is shameful. You brought shame on everybody. And it's a really tough society to live in when it's like that. In, in a fancy way of saying it, so you, you, you grew up and you live in jail. It's an invisible jail because you, you walk on tightrope all the time. And you know what's dangerous about that? As soon as you... As you uh, cookie cutter to a different society and you have so much freedom, you don't know what to do with that. Because you never given the road, the tools to make the own decision on, on your own because the culture make the decision for you. Um, and so 
Here they ran out of this uh, wine for the party. I want for you to hear what the prophet Isaiah say about this. Prophet Isaiah, chapter 25. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wine. Verse 8, he said, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears from all faces. He will remove disgrace of his people from all the earth. This is the kind of party Jesus come to bring. Verse 8 and 9, if you read it, uh, after they fill all of these jars with water, uh, he say, take some and give it to uh, the MC. The MC in this culture is a big deal because the MC is really the one who get the party going. I mean, the MC have the huge responsibility of making sure that this party is really going on. However he tells story, however he reminds people what to do and, and all, it's, it's, the, it's the guy uh, that weave things together and make life into the party. And so he say, take some, give it to him. And, and what Jesus was doing, what Jesus was doing was saving his face of the MC. Because whatever it was that he was supposed to do was not get done. And whatever these young people would just get married, whatever they were doing, thinking that this day is their biggest day of their life, did not get their act together. Do you hear the good news about this Jesus? He will save your face and my face. In the face of embarrassment. In the face of disgrace. If this is the biggest plan that happened in our life and it's about to fall apart, this Jesus will show up and he will make it even better than you can even dream of it. That's the kind of party that Jesus come, the prophet say, this is the Lord Almighty. He will wipe away tears from all faces. It's not just the tongue face, it's not just the older face, it's not just the young face, all tears of all faces. The thing about John that he put in here is very, very important for us to remember this. The things that, that John is putting in this book is, is pointing every sign here to who Jesus is. The identity of who Jesus is is so incredibly important for John. And he put down these seven signs, and every time we get into these signs, so-called miracles, you read that, and you hear, and you see, and you have a taste, you have a sense of who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? It's somebody who show up to cover our shame. This would have been the talk of the town. Did you hear? Did you hear the Maya's wedding? Did you hear? Did you hear the first Methodist wedding? 
They sent out Twitter and they invite the whole city for this wedding is supposed to be five, seven days and we show up three hours, it's gone. How embarrassing. Every Twitter feed was it. Every Instagram uh, uh, picture was it. The talk of the town. What they didn't tell is there was somebody who just arrived and there's somebody who done this. Jesus said, hey, look, look, it's, it's not mom. Not your issue, not mine. Because this has not yet happened. I cannot die yet. I can't. Mom, only mother do. Hmm, blah, blah, blah. Just do whatever he said. Just do whatever he said. And then he turned and looked, these humongous stones were standing there. These stones have a very specific reason, a purpose, usage. And you don't dare use it for any other way. Cleansing, cleansing, blood, cleansing, redeem. These stones, when they come for ceremony, these stones, cleanse people before they enter in to the place of holy. And then Jesus say, hey, this is our ritual, this is our tradition, this is the rite of passage of this culture. But I'm here. I'm changing that. I'm all about changing that. What you ever known for these purposes, there is a new day. Have you not heard? Have you not seen? I, the Lord of hosts, and then Jesus just said to these people, just fill it up with water. Whatever kind of water you got, fill it up. And they fill it up. And John said, they fill it up to a little ants can't even walk on top of that. It was so full. And then he said, throw some out. Take it to the MC. And they throw it out. Now this has always got me. If you really want to witness a miracle, get your hands on the bucket. Feel that. Because the people who get their hands on the bucket knew what they put in those jars. They knew exactly where they got water. Matter of fact, they might have tasted the water before they put it in there. But they also knew what they get out of there. It's not the same thing they put in there. If you want to see a miracle, get your fingernail on dirt. The work of the church the work of the body, unless you get some of your hands, of your physical being in the work of the church, you won't know there was water going there and there was wine come out of it. I say, there are a lot of theologians, they bloviate, is that a word? About theology. They never lift a finger. And I don't know about you, I'm sick and tired of church, you're talking about church. Unless you do something with your fingers. Get a bucket of water, fill these empty jars with it. And Jesus simply said, I don't care about tradition. You've done that before. I don't care about it. I do new things today, and I'm changing the rule. Why? Because I bring a new heaven, and I'll do it here. And he done that. It all point to who Jesus is. 
Whatever we know, whatever we're comfortable with, whatever we worship as our tradition, this is how we always done it. Whatever that is, don't be offended when Jesus show up and say, we're doing a new things here. Don't worship those jars because that's not the purpose of worship. Those just a hyperlink to who I am. Click on it, then I'll come alive. Just put some more on that. And then, and then, ah, what a party. Because all of them were drunk. They didn't know what good and bad, but now they're having a dance. Have you ever been to dance off at a party? Yeah, it can get crazy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You know? You have all of what you got. And you thought, you thought embarrassment is the next page on your story. And then somebody. I, I think I might have shared this story. A preacher, late preacher, his name Fred Craddock, incredible preacher, told a story of his father. His dad was one of those military people. Uh, he served in a war, and uh, and he had something. He had he had had an experience in the church, or maybe multiple experiences in church. It put him off about church. And he said, every time a preacher come by or somebody from church come by, he just say, all they want is my money. Until he was in the hospital. Dr. Craddock said, I've flown into town to go see him. And I walk into his room. I walk into his room in the hospital. And there's flowers, there's flowers, there's flowers, there's flowers, there's flowers. And the little trays where his food supposed to be, he was stacked with cards. And I look at my dad. And he cannot even have enough breath in him to say a word. He just motioned for box of clinics and he hemmed in the box and he wrote this word I've been wrong every breath I take in I know I've been wrong about the church it's more than just money they really care about who I am. No matter how mean I become, no matter how I rejected the church, I've been wrong all this time. And I say, and I say, this is my translation, you can be as mean and ugly as you can possibly gain as long as you can put on your own shoes. The day after you gain no more, there won't be anybody there to love you because you have pushed off every single person in your sphere. And you are now alone. That's when the church should show up. That's when the church must show up. To really enjoy the journey is to realize this life is more than you. It's more than your enjoyment. It was intended for something bigger. Unless you invite Jesus to the party, you're not going to have enough wine for your marriage, for your party, for your birth, 
You're not going to have enough endurance for your death. Unless you invite Jesus to death, he won't be able to save your face when you fall short. And then, I tell you what, there is no party like Jesus' party because Jesus' party never stops. Because he will wipe away all tears. He will swallow up death. What a promise. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So God, we thank you for our time. You remind us that this is the whole purpose of this story. It's for us to know who you are and to think about you and the things that you do for who we are. Be with us. It is in your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. All God's people say amen.